Hey guys, Josh here, just popping in to explain this unlocked episode that has appeared in your feed. So, uh, the episode you're about to hear on Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo and Brian De Palma's Body Double is one of our Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes from a few months ago, and one of the fan favorites so far. And to celebrate hitting over 10,000 total listens on SoundCloud and iTunes from you guys, we figured uh, we'd give the free listeners uh, a bit of a treat this week. Uh, So enjoy this full, unlocked bonus episode, and if you want more of these and want to help support the show, which we appreciate a lot, uh, we have an entire back catalog of them waiting for you over at patreon.com slash Zoids podcast, which uh, this episode was a part of. Uh, and we had two more of those bonus episodes every single month. So if you haven't made the jump to that, uh, we would very much appreciate if you would uh, take a look at that. Uh, but anyway, thanks so much as always for listening uh, and enjoy this uh, free unlocked bonus episode on Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo and Brian De Palma's Body Double. Vertigo, a feeling of dizziness, a swimming in the head. Jake, action. What is this? Yeah, I look up. I look down. I don't want to die. There's so many times she says I'm surprised. I couldn't move. It's so big thing. I, I just, I just, for a second there, I just, I couldn't move. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I was in the coffin. I closed my eyes. I let you change me. Will that do it? If I do what you tell me, will you love me? Yes. Yo. Yo, boy. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, just, we should do one where it's just like air horns. Like, yeah. yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome back <laughs> to the Oh man, do it! Just leave this part in. Just leave it in. Sleezoids, <laughs> welcome. welcome, welcome to the show. We're we're here. We're feeling it. We're this in a, it. This is a special. Your boys back. Only episode. Yeah, your you know, boys you, are back. You guys well, get the special intro. Yeah, you guys, you guys get the the, the personal touch. That's right. Uh, <laughs> You're paying. You get it all. Hell yeah. Uh, welcome back to another episode uh i don't even i don't even need to give you the show description in this episode you guys are patrons you know what you're here for yeah you're here for the movies you're here for the sleaze you're here for the that's right the the, the good time this uh, one we brought we brought both like prestigious and sleaze we bought we, we yeah we brought we brought the 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 prestige classic and like a literal sleazy remake of it <laughs> yeah which is gonna be a lot of fun to talk kind of fused with Rear Window a little yeah. bit too, right? Yeah. Just kind of the moments. Granted, I haven't seen Rear Window, but just as he was doing there, the there's definitely things. at least one direct reference for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, patrons, you guys would have last heard from us two weeks ago, where we would have yes. been talking Star Wars and Flash, Flash Gordon. Gordon. Uh, if, if you haven't heard that episode, uh, you're paying for it. So go back two episodes ago, listen to Star Wars Flash Gordon. It was a good. It was a good talk. It was a good fun. Yeah, we we, we had a hard time talking about Star Wars because it's the it's just it, so it's, many, yeah. It's so how many it's, times have you heard about Star Wars? Yeah, man. But got, uh, we have so much love for it. We had to talk about. But it. But we had a lot of fun talking Flash Gordon, which is a film neither yes. of us had seen before. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And last week. We just... Uh, we, you guys would have heard doing? us talk with Anya yep. Stanley, where we talked uh, Taxi Driver and the video nasty Abel Ferreira film, uh, The Driller Killer. I love that term, by Video the way. nasty. Video nasty. Learning that was just a great thing. We need to, we need to pivot. We need to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, this is now yeah, the Video is... Nasty Podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
We'll just have a bunch of AKAs as this goes. Yeah. You know, Sleezoids, AKA yep. Video Nasty. There we go. Pivoting. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this week we're not talking Video Nasties. However, this week we're going to be talking for the first time on the show, and probably not the last time, we're going to be talking Alfred Hitchcock, the king of uh, suspense, the, the dude who, who brought the sort of sweeping melodrama and Hollywood romance into the world of perversity and mm-hmm. um, provocative territory, uh, if not necessarily in terms of direct content, in terms of his thematic content yeah. uh, and his characters. He made he he kind of pinned the the darkness surrounding a lot of Hollywood men at the time. Yeah, um, and he that's what's great. He he, he mined their stories for sadness that other filmmakers wouldn't have for sure. And he didn't him. need like and and as much as I love it, such as things in Body Double, where it's like you know Brian De Palma's very just visceral feel of everything. Yeah, uh, Hitchcock is very. Uh, laid back a little bit you know like he's trying see that's funny because watching it now it does feel subtle but at the mm-hmm. time like he was doing stuff oh, that sure. didn't right granted so. this is also my and i'm a little ashamed <laughs> to say it my first hitchcock film yeah uh, jamie jamie's so a little baby so i'm like, a little basic that's yeah, right he's 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 making his way though I'm getting there. we're working on him yeah we're g- <laughs> exactly i'm getting there i'm getting there uh but this is his first hitchcock and oh Unbelievably good. Oh, I could like I'm like yeah. So that's why you call well, him a master. Yeah, you know lived up I mean? to all the hype. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, exactly. Because it's one of those things where you hear about a bunch of films that it's just you know these are fives. These guys were the masters or whatever. And I'm always like, okay, we'll see what happens. But like, I was blown away. I couldn't believe some of the shots that he gets in this mm-hmm. film. Just. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. In terms of visual camera work, the dude was a, a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this yeah. came out what year? Uh, this would have been 58. 58? Jesus. Like Even even movies oh, that later came out in the mid-60s wouldn't have the visual panache that films that, it looks that his fantastic. have. Again, all of the great films that you would eventually watch in the 70s that have all this very stylish, very introspective camera work were people who studied Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can basically owe a lot of this kind of stuff to him at the time. And, I mean, you would also find dudes like John Ford and Howard Hawks who are also doing interesting stuff in, in, in westerns and other genre stuff. But Hitchcock really brought it in. He really modernized these kinds of styles and pioneered a lot of camera techniques that we now consider you know, the, the things that are still working for films today yeah. to the point where when you see them in an older film, you're just like, wow, is this a brand? Is this a 2018 movie? Like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so it's, we're talk- We're going to be talking Hitchcock today. And as Jamie already sort of mentioned, we're going to be pairing it with Brian De Palma's Body Double, yeah. which is a really interesting film uh, in the larger uh, oeuvre of, of De Palma <laughs> simply because it, it's one it's of his... softcore porn version of Vertigo. Yes. <laughs> De Palma had been trying to his entire career. Basically, he learned all the lessons from Hitchcock, uh, and Body Double was the most literal his uh, Hitchcock references ever got. Other than you know paying yeah. quick homage, like we we already talked about him for Pan- Phantom of the Paradise, and yeah. there's a big old Psycho reference in that that's good. And again, a lot of his Absolutely. a lot of the camera work that he you know used in in Phantom of the Paradise was was borrowed from Hitchcock. Um, but Body Double is almost a direct riff on the plot of Vertigo, yeah, uh, but definitely. with a very distinctly different effect, which we will get mm-hmm. into when we eventually get into it. Because uh, kind of just literalizes what it what Vertigo's 
almost saying in the undertext. Yeah, like 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 yeah, ex- that's that's sort of that's sort of it that Vertigo yeah. is saying get, going to some really dark thematic places and Brian's like, "What if I just take it to those dark places?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what if I just, just have the movie there. set there? <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go there. I don't want people to, yeah, they're yeah. not thinking about this. We're yeah. going there. Uh, but yeah, so those are the two films we're going to be talking about uh today, so I I mean, I I guess we'll just get into it. Let's do it. Vertigo? Vertigo. Vertigo. It's a cinch. I look up. I look down. I look up. I look... What was the strange attraction that brought these two together in spite of the dark forces that tore them apart? The specter from the past that drew her to the ancient headstone in the mission graveyard. The compulsion that drove her relentlessly to the point of no return. All right, we are talking Vertigo, the 1958 uh, film noir psychological romance thriller. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so much to this Yeah, film. It uh, really is. Directed by the late, great Alfred Hitchcock. Um, the, the, the master, the, the all timer, yeah. uh, the, the dude the who, goat. who probably is the goat, but he's such, yeah. but people now think of him as such a boring choice for the goat that, yeah. y- that you go back and you watch it, but then you go and you watch one of his movies and you're like, okay, yeah, but the goat, right? Well, that's like, the thing. Like, <laughs> I was, like I was saying in the intro, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if it'll hit me as hard just because it's been so long. You know, I, I've been hearing about these films for forever and this yeah, guy seen himself, them referenced in everything. Right. Yeah. So I thought it'd be kind of almost almost ruined in a way at least at least some of the magic but like his direction is just so on point yep. and the way that he paces his characters the film itself the music everything it, it's just it's captivating throughout even in a story that doesn't have a lot of action honestly if yep. if any really i mean <laughs> there's moments where things you know go down but mm-hmm. there's not you know there's no no giant gunfights, no any, anything like that. Nope. Nothing Special. like, you know, Driller Killer from last week or anything like that, you know? Yep. Uh, well, Vertigo stars uh, Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, uh, as, what's his name? Detective Scotty Ferguson. Yeah. John Scotty Ferguson. Uh, a retired... Strong name. Or, or I mean, I, I guess a, a wanting-to-be-retired San Francisco detective Yeah. Uh, who suffers from what we call acrophobia, or a, mm-hmm. I guess it's a fear of, of heights. I didn't yeah. know that that was what it was called, actually. Yeah, I mean... Either. Maybe it's not called that anymore, and maybe yeah. that's why. I can relate, because yeah. fuck heights. No? Not crazy about him? <laughs> no, no, not crazy about him. <laughs> um, I can relate to the kind of the dizziness that he gets. Obviously not the insanity that he eventually mm, becomes, mm, but... <laughs> yeah, there's a double meaning with vertigo yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't like heights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it opens with like a really cool chase scene, a rooftop chase scene where he he kind of falls and and Hitchcock really goes pedal to the metal with the the filmmaking because he gets a sequence where, um, you know, Scotty is really fucked up by the the, the rooftop heights, basically, essentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because of the incident with the cop. Yes. Well, I, we're actually talking about the incident with the cop. So I, I right. think I think they realize here that he's like, oh shit, it totally paralyzes him, which is what uh, the cop comes to save him because he's paralyzed. He's like, dog, why aren't you just getting up? Yeah. Uh, and then the cop falls, and it's his fault. Yeah. Um. I mean, not entirely his fault. Again, he does have a legitimate sure. fear. But he just he can't he can't come to terms with it. And he can't seem to reach out, and all he really mm. needed to do is grab his hand. He wouldn't even move. And from so what I understand, he this, feels guilty. This was the first ever use of the dolly zoom that uh, really that, i think they actually called it the vertigo effect 
because of the oh, movie. Oh, that's so awesome. That's crazy. Um, the bit that you would see repeated in, in films like Jaws and obviously yeah. I mean, just tons of other Brian De Palma films and, and all kinds of films. It's a it's a great effect, that, that one where you... It's perfect for like showing a fear of height. I mean, yeah, that's what you feel. You just kind of feel like it, it's never ending, you know? Yeah. You, you, and then I think the and movie... And trapped. Even, yeah. And uh, I think the movie even mentions that there's that kind of idea of... Um, like, I think it was actually, I don't know if the movie or if it was an idea that was kind of grabbed with uh, uh, Louis C.K. where he had an idea in a show where it was like, you have vertigo or a height, uh, mm-hmm. a fear of heights because it's almost easy, like it's almost too easy to yourself, you know, find yourself falling over mm, right. that kind of height. Um, and it's almost a lack of trust within yourself. And I don't know, he might mm. have that, you know, cause he ha- he's guilt ridden from the, the, the cop's death. Right. And, and then, and then it gets intertwined with his fear and then all of a sudden it's both physical fear. Right? Yeah. And exactly. then you're like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. a great feeling. Exactly. Um, but yeah, basically what happens to him is, uh, you know, an, uh, an old friend comes to him and is like, look, I think my wife is being possessed. And he gets this great line about the idea that do you think that the dead can come back to, to, to haunt us? Mm-hmm. And there's this idea that this, this old, or I mean, I guess she's not an old woman. She's a young woman. She killed herself when she was 26 years old because she had a, uh, a child with, uh, I guess she was, she was a mistress of a, of a, of a dude who had a wife. He had, a, she had a child with him and the dude took the child and cast her away yeah. basically. And obviously she was very heartbroken by that. And she killed herself at a very young age. And uh, I guess she's the the great 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 grandmother of uh, his current wife, who he thinks. And this thinks. is the the woman in the portrait, right? Yes, with the necklace. Yeah, I forget I forget her name. It's like Corn Cornella or Corlada, Corlada, Corlana, something like that. Yeah, I have written down. Yeah, and so yeah, she's the woman in the painting. She's got the the red jeweled necklace. Um, and th- this old friend of yeah, Scotty's basically is like, look, my wife, uh, Madeline is being mm-hmm. possessed by this lady. And I, I don't really know what exactly it is that she's doing when she's being possessed, but she's acting weird. She's going places and she's having, uh, like blank time. Basically. Yeah, she doesn't remember doing these things. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Scotty seems a little, uh, questionable at first. Like he, at first he doesn't, obviously he doesn't believe it, but yeah. then he, but then he's also, he he's also, he's also retired and, or he wants to be retired. So he doesn't really want to do it, but he, he kind of gets a look at the girl and then he, he's, <laughs> he's like, hot damn, uh, I guess I'm <laughs> well, going to do maybe it. Maybe I can take the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, what's interesting is the film kind of like at a certain point you're like, dude, this is all you now. You yeah, know? like like this is not detective work anymore. Yeah. Like now you're, you're This is an infatuation. This is an exactly. obsession. Exactly. And it's I mean to, to be fair to him, Kim Novak, <laughs> heart stopper. <laughs> like honestly, yeah. Gorgeous woman. My yeah. god. Yeah. Uh and <laughs> So he he starts like following her around, right? Yeah. That's what he does and and this is one of the most aped scenes in 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 Hitchcock's career is this sort of like suspenseful stalking sequence. This this uh, this very voyeuristic look. This is a thing that uh, Hitchcock has always been obsessed with in his career because mm-hmm. obviously as a dude who's um, very in tune with his camera, yeah, he's a dude very engaged with the idea of of watching and looking yeah. and and again again as a dude who's so into 
composition and framing and he's very he thinks a lot about what he's watching and what he's looking at um so obviously his characters sort of have that anxiety too and that's what he brings to the film and obviously it's a very unique thing for film because the viewer is also doing that which is something he literally gets at which you haven't seen but in rear window that's literally what rear window is about it's a dude uh, a, a photographer who's got uh he's like immobilized because he's a i think he's a war photographer or something and he broke his leg so he's stuck in his house and he's like i want a story like i need i need something i'm so bored Mm -hmm. so he starts looking out his window and he sees all these different stories happening with his neighbors and stuff like that so all of a sudden he the camera starts moving and he's looking here and he's looking over there exactly he's going into a different movie every single time um and what eventually hitchcock interrogates in that film is the idea of this dude just wants that movie so bad that Mm -hmm. he's almost willing to make it up yeah um And that's sort of what happens. He starts sort of like trying to apply stories, even though he doesn't know the full picture. Um, And eventually he does catch a murderer, but it doesn't seem necessarily because it was for a moral reason. It seems that it was just because he was bored. Right. right. (laughs) He caught a murderer because he was bored. Because again, if he was just shooting photography, if he wasn't immobilized, he wouldn't have caught that murderer. Yeah. That's just kind of the thing. So because he was so... And that's sort of like what Hitchcock is is interrogating all the time is the the sort of moral watching, mm-hmm. and but also our impulse to want to do it. Obviously, large amounts of people want to do it. There's something inherently just entertaining, and and I guess, I don't know if entertaining is the exact right word, but it, it's there's something that you it's captivating. Exactly. Where it's just like you ha- like watching somebody stalk somebody for whatever reason because there's a lot of tension there automatically yeah. there's there's no way you honestly do tense I, I what if he gets caught what if that person <laughs> sees him what if like there's just so many degrees to it that are that are odd and then the fact that you're also watching this person watch somebody else like exactly it's just, well so and, much, and there's so many layers it's, to it. it's so easy for the camera to get you in tune with a character who is watching something because the camera mm-hmm. a lot of time is trying to replicate that subjective experience right. and if you're watching and then you're watching a character watching all of a sudden you are really invested in what he's watching. And a lot of the time I'll find myself the way that Hitchcock will film. I will like, I'll like myself like peek around the corner. I'll be like, what's happening over there? Like, I want to see. Show me the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, move the camera. Yeah. Get it going. For sure. He's, um, he is truly a master of suspense. Like I, I, they were not selling him, you know, big in any way when they were telling me that. Cause like this scene and also the, uh, the music, um, yes, does such a good job of like swooping in and out to make you kind of uneasy, but also there's like an intriguing force that the music brings as well, where it's like just keep going. Maybe maybe some answers will come to you, but it's also very uh, very dark and ominous. Yeah, Bernard Herman did the music for this, and Bernard Herman is an all timer. Yeah, he did Taxi Driver. Which, he did Citizen Kane. Oh, oh, jeez, like, <laughs> masterpieces up the ass here. That's crazy. Yeah, That's uh, awesome. he. I think uh, De Palma eventually actually hired him to do his movie Sisters, which is a, okay. uh, another Hitchcock riff that he kind of did. I think it was this one or Taxi driver that was actually dedicated to him at the end too mm, i don't yeah. know if it was i think it, i think it might have been taxi driver oh it must have been because taxi driver would have come after <laughs> a little bit right. later yeah <laughs> but yeah what, what's really interesting that separates vertigo though from the rest of of hitchcock's um work in particular is that because hitchcock is such like a a very conscious stylist mm. a dude who's very 
cerebrally aware of the choices he's making visually. Yeah. Again, a lot of that, sort of like what we were talking about with uh, Driller Killer, is that doing a very heavy style like that, a lot of time your movies can feel not necessarily personal because you're you're For so sure. conscious and you're thinking so much about the choices that you're making. Um, there, there doesn't feel like a like a free sort of feeling to it. Yeah. Um, Vertigo is the film that is all free feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of his most genuinely romantic films. Yeah. Uh, and it's so fucked up because he's in love with a fabrication. It's about being in love with something that's fake and something yeah. that's not real, something that's consciously made by somebody else. Yeah. This is being in love with movies. This is being in love. Like it's it's yeah. unbelievable. Um, and again, he doesn't get at that in any sort of literal way. It's mm-hmm. all just Im- implied, um, you know, theme and form, and yeah. it's it, it's wonderful. And I guess we'll get into the actual like s- story, story. I guess. Sure, because um, we we talked about it a little bit. He's such a master of his technical work. You could talk about the filmmaking. Itself. Well, exactly. But but the reason that this dude falls in love with with something that's fake is because he's so captivated by. Um, this this dude's wife, Madeline, um, who we, we later find out in the film is actually uh, an actress mm-hmm. being paid by the husband to play his wife. Yeah, so Be- that he can kill her. So that he can wife. kill her, basically. Yeah, yeah that's the idea. Uh, so what happens is, is he thinks that he's following this dude's wife and he's falling in love with her. But what he's falling in love with is a, like a blatant fabrication. Exactly. Yeah. He's falling in love with a look yeah, that, that especially. A, a look that this girl is putting on mm-hmm. and a personality that she has made up. Yeah, I feel uh, like that's a, a big theme, too, in both these films. And about a girl who needs a hero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too, yeah. And, and that's another theme she, in both she, these she's films. She's everything to him. Yeah, there's a, that's another theme in both these films. It's kind of like these guys, when they're doing the stalking, they yeah. almost see themselves as like, protecting them from whatever exactly. you know bad might happen around them even though it's like dude, but it, you're kind of becoming the bad yeah, that it, you're it, trying to protect them because it's all projection it's exactly. it's, it's they're exactly. they're basically showing you their fantasies by projecting it onto these people yeah what i find um, interesting too is that it's like sure you know what with with vertigo i found it a little bit more romantic within mm-hmm. the love relationship Body double, it gets a little bit more just purely superficial and physical, I find. Right, which we'll but get into because sure, I think that's very sure. intentional. But uh, yeah, for sure, especially where it leads. Yeah. Uh, but with Vertigo, it's still the initial thing is just seeing a absolutely drop dead gorgeous woman and just assuming that she's like the best person in the entire world for you. Because yeah. it seems like he just falls in love instantly without even talking to her so yeah. i can only assume he and just goes it, that's a and, and then lady. the fact <laughs> that she's putting on a story where she needs him and where right and it's you know, all fabricated yeah exactly. and, and he's just and, and that's what he becomes obsessed with too um it's it's really uh because eventually he tries to transform her in back into the person that he loved which yeah. is just a horrendous yeah like that's the the few that's where sequences. this gets weird because yeah after sort of uh because you, you like her, him kind of yeah, at first do. and then it's like oh i don't know i mean jimmy stewart's <laughs> a pretty likable dude yeah definitely uh, Jim Stewart. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and you think he's being a little weird when he's when he's when he's watching her but then you see that his his feelings are genuine although he keeps kind of pushing away midge who seems like a really nice yeah girl. that's his ex-fiance <laughs> something that like right? that it's, yeah. it, it seems like she they were they, they were past they yeah like they were they were going to get married in the Past. And it I think that there's thing. like, an and he's excitement. so oblivious to the fact yeah. that she's so in love with him. Oh yeah, and I think that there. Well, I think there's also an excitement that he finds with with uh, with Madeline mm-hmm. um, that he just doesn't find with 
with mm-hmm. what, what's her name? I can't Midge. remember. Midge. Um, because it seems like like although she is much more intelligent, she's much more put together in the sense of she has her own shit together. She Again, has a she's, career. She, she has like she's not a, she's not a fabricated look. And yeah, she that does, too. And, and she doesn't need a, a hero. She I think, and I, I read somewhere, and I kind of agreed with it. It was like I think he viewed her as more of like a maternal. Uh, person like it seemed like every more scene he more was independent taking, and yeah stuff, and he yeah. was take like she would be taking care of him trying to console him meanwhile then he'd just instantly go off to exactly. Madeline and do all the things that he you know was doing th- I guess you could call it passion but for me it's I think more of an obsession an unhealthy well obsession. that's just it I think it starts out at that that way and, yeah and I guess it turns into love and it's a, odd because, because she gets, really starts to respond well because he 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 mixes the work and the personal w- yeah. at the start which is just a messy way to get into, <laughs> into it eventually it. and the, but his Basic feelings his feelings are very very real mm-hmm. but he just doesn't realize what his feelings are for and that's where it gets really twisted uh when they do go through with the plot and Madeline, uh, I love going back and watching this performance now, knowing the ending too, mm. where you go and she goes, I guess it's time. Like she's, she almost seems sad about it too. Cause she's yeah. like, she's almost like almost in love with this story that they're putting on too. And she knows she has to go up and fake her. Exactly. Death, she right? knows that it's over. She's got to go up and fake her death. Yeah. Uh, but, but she seems sad about that. She seems yeah. like she's sort of interested in this relationship too. Uh, so that's what happens though. Is she does, she goes up into the tower thing, saying, don't follow me, don't follow me. And he, of course, he follows her, and he gets vertigo, yeah, and it, so he it, can't continue to yeah, follow her. Yeah, so it really messes him up, which gives them enough time to switch the body double to mer- to move uh, um, Judy, who is the real mm-hmm. the actress's name, move her out of the way and push Madeline out of the tower, where it looks yeah. like she uh, right after she gave like some sort of like suicidal indications, right, making yeah. him the the plant, yeah. that, the the witness to a suicide so that the husband could get away with it. And what's interesting, too, is that at, at first they obviously don't tell you that she's not dead. Like, the movie kind of pits, puts you in that mystery box a little bit. Oh, and, um, the, and the, I love the, that the psychological breakdown that he has. Yeah. Is I love that like, they have her scream because mm-hmm. it adds that layer of, like, well, if Why she committed scream? suicide, yeah. why would she scream? But my brain just kind of overlapped it and was like, well, let's just continue with the story. So then when, when it's revealed that, you know, he finds the – he finds uh, – what's, what's her real name? Judy. Uh, Judy. Um, that she she acts in such a way that it's like, is the movie doing this? Like, is the movie saying mm. that this is just a woman that actually looks like her? Or, are, are, like, are we insane? Like, what's going on here? So it starts to yeah. play tricks on you, which is... Well, really because... Cool and thing. the and the, the part that happens immediately after she, after she dies is, like, that crazy psychological sequence that oh, goes all sequence? colors of the dreams and stuff. Yeah, and animation, which was yeah. really cool to just splice in there. Because, again, it, all of a sudden it's tied in, as you were saying, the guilt over the cop, the, yeah. the, the, the vertigo that you already experienced, but then it happens again with someone he, he seems, thinks that he's in love with, so then it just keeps killing. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. He, at this point, he's like a complete madman inside yeah. of his head. Uh, and to, to to make and to like Jimmy Stewart's performance really, I think, gets at that. Especially when we get to some of the 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 cl- like the the close of the film, where For he is sure. just oh, he's gone. He's wild. He's off his rocker by the last. 10 minutes like yeah but but what's what gets really twisted is the bit before we get there which you oh, mentioned okay. which is where he tries to turn her back yes. into the image in, in the uh the empire hotel sequences with yes. like the green neon coming in yeah and like yeah, yeah. and it, it's almost like because, because he sees judy again that's the thing yeah. is is madeline dies 
the actress who was playing Madeline goes on living her life Mm -hmm. and he sees her in the same spots that he saw Madeline and he starts having like that deja vu. He's like, am I fucking crazy? Or is this the girl that I fell in love with? Right. But just doesn't quite look like her and she's not quite acting like her. And I was like, because she wasn't fucking real. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Dude. Uh, gotta sit him down yeah so but but then judy obviously had real feelings for him too because she's like i do like i do want to like continue this uh but it gets really twisted when all of a sudden he's just like look i I like you and i think that we have a thing here i feel Mm -hmm. a connection with you like that real feeling that i had for madeline but you have to look like her and you have to act like her and judy is like like rightfully she's like holy shit are you serious yeah at first absolutely not you know she's just like i that's you want you want to turn me into her yeah exactly because again he's in love with the image he's not in love with her as a person it is it is the image of her and and the fake story she put on right and i don't know if she mentioned does she mention a somewhat of a a past with a relationship because it seems like after a while she just kind of gives in so that she can feel this love that Mm -hmm. she did have for a brief moment with him even though it was fabricated she's like well it's better than loneliness yeah because both of these people are lonely both of them have had real genuine feelings which is scary as hell the fact that it's better than loneliness even though it's like well, it's a lie, but yeah. it's better than just sitting down, you know, just having nobody. So it's just like that's yep. that's some sad. Well, because that, and and that's where uh, Kim Novak's performance gets really devastating because <sighs> yeah. because she has to confront the fact that she, he's not in love with her. No. He's in love she with the performance that she was putting on metaphorically. Yeah, just to to become. Um, to thing. become Madeline to I experience guess. that 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 like superficial to, to just see him look at her in the like way a, that he did he did prior, exactly that, which, so, that, so that's what happens is she she puts stuff. the clothes on she gets the hair back she looks exactly like Madeline again and she she seems happy she even to, comes out in like smoke and stuff almost yeah. like it's like a ghost coming back or exactly something like that it's like yeah yeah and James Stewart is just so en- enamored by that and um, it almost seems like it could possibly work, except for the fact that obviously Judy is is still not telling him the truth that she, yeah. uh, you know, of what actually happened, and that and that's what ends up happening is uh, James Stewart keeps pulling at the threads to the point where he realizes what actually happened and that he was being manipulated the whole time. Well, because she also makes a conscious choice to to, to wear that te- and to not tell him too. right, but then to wear the necklace that is what clicks him into thinking, oh, yeah, this is mistake, actually yeah. like. So I wonder if that was. If, do you think that that was intentional? Like, because I, I, I don't think that the film wants us to think that that was intentional. Like I think, her, I think, do you think she wasn't thinking? Like, yeah. she was just like, he won't notice this, or this isn't anything. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just yeah. putting on this necklace. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and it might have been a bit of like another possession thing that she might have just thought that like consciously in a way. Yeah, just like that yeah. she she sort of picked it up by playing her character, or that she sure. thought that you know. But yeah, that's what eventually gives it away is that she she's wearing the ne- necklace of the uh, you know the great 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 grandmother that mm-hmm. um, is on the portrait in the museum that he sees, and that's what does it. He's like, holy shit, she's wearing the necklace of Madeline's great 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 grandmother, who she would go to to it, look at exactly. Yeah, so yeah. this is this is the same girl. I'm not crazy. This is literally the same woman. Yeah. Um, and then he gets the story out of her that they. Uh, I mean, not really. He basically kind of puts the pieces together and takes her up to the tower. Until she's pretty much forced to tell him the truth. Yeah, and he and he he he's driving, and I forget that line that he has, but something about how like I'm finally going to put the past to bed or something. Yeah, like and he that. also says he's like I'm not going to be haunted anymore. And stuff yeah, like exactly. That. Like, he's really 
he's, he's out there at this he point. He is like a total madman at yeah, that point. He's totally lost it. He's trying to, he, he just needs this to be wrapped up so he never has to think about it again. Yeah, so he, he takes her up into the tower where uh, Madeline committed suicide, uh, quote unquote. Right. Um, and he's he's freaking out at her being like, like how, like, this is all fabrication, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, duh, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he, you're the only one shocked but by this. The, and, and you're <laughs> the only one still like having this obsession and making it yeah. into this terribly dangerous thing. Yeah, and Judy Judy kind of gives him one last plea. She's like, no. Judy would just love him. Exactly. Like, that's all, like... Like, Judy actually is in love with him for yeah, him. for him. And he's just in love with the idea of this other woman who exactly. doesn't even exist. So, so, so Judy makes a plea and she's like guy come on yeah. like like this this could be a thing and then he find for at the at the very last second where he's finally like oh okay do you know what maybe this could be a real thing and he, yeah. he that thought goes into his head he considers it mm-hmm. and then the nun comes up into the tower yeah. scares the shit out of judy I and judy was- falls in the exact same place that madeline yeah. committed suicide and do you think that it was kind of the, the scare from the nun like i i found that she had this it was just like a black it was a shadowy uh, figure shape. yeah and i and i i thought of death like i just thought yeah. of because i think she also has some dialogue when they're on the beach and she it, talks about a black corridor it did feel it was ghostly like, she too, knew yeah. that if she was going to walk into that darkness that was death and that was the end of her yeah. and so when i when i saw the the nun I have that black mass i was like I think absolutely that i think that's true yeah because that that ending man hell of, i sat mm-hmm. there for a little bit you know like going yeah wait like, cause that's it. gotta be one of the darkest Hollywood endings. Cause that's For it. That is real. the last scene. It's him looking down and that's it again. It's he, he's overcome his vertigo, but there's no way he's overcoming that guilt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Cause he brought her there. Yeah. And, and now it, it's and it was technically all the third person. Technically yeah. the second one was, a, was the wife. Was a and fake he didn't one. No, yeah. but like in his mind, he's been through three things that are technically all his fault to do with his, his fear of, uh, yeah. well, heights and also, I guess, uh, his, his, fear of anything. His own to be weird, real. pervy romanticism. Yeah, to, be, to have <laughs> real love. Like, it's almost yeah. like he's, a, he's scared of it. it yeah. It's, it's an odd thing that he goes through. Again, he wants, he wants to live in a fantasy. And when the fantasy says, Hey, look, you stop, like you could have something real. And he's For like, real. Oh, maybe. It's there. And then it's ripped away from him. Yeah. Uh, by his own hand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I heard Super too dark. that, uh, uh, Hitchcock uses the color green to mm-hmm. represent death in the film. And mm-hmm. there's one scene where they're in the hotel room yeah. or her room. I don't know. It's It was a hotel, but she lived there, right? So I, I don't know what that was about. But anyway. Rich people in yeah. the 50s, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you go, whatever. <laughs> um, but there's that great scene where it's like silhouetted mm-hmm. um, and it's just her like blackness there. Like it's just total darkness, kind of like yeah. the nun. She's just like a black mass. And I think that was like kind of her death into coming back to being Madeline because then after that they even have that circle kiss where it's like Mm -hmm. against the green back backdrop it goes back to the ranch I believe briefly like he actually even like leaves the kiss and looks around and sees that he's not in the same place anymore then goes back in one of the most like sweepingly romantic moments in Hitchcock's career and also kind of like just haunting at the same time that's the beauty of this film well because at that that point we at that point we both know right it's like that dramatic irony thing like we we know way more than the characters do yeah right Right. and and we're watching that and we know that this is weird and icky and in its own way but But also that the feelings are real and yeah yeah um either way it's a really complex uh 
film in that way. And the central relationship is like gotta be an all timer. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, so good. I guess we'll enter the reductive rating round on this one. For sure. the, the highest five I could possibly give. This is like a, a straight up all, all timer. Um, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody that. I'm pretty sure Vertigo yeah. is literally considered the number one film on like the sight and sound poll or whatever. Oh, ever? Like, like among all critics and stuff Damn. like that, they they do it every year. I'm pretty sure Vertigo has made its way to the top over the last like uh, few decades. That's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think it was there at first. I actually think Vertigo was not the most well received movie at the time. Really? I That's think shocking. I could be I is could be making that up, so but I thought surprising? I read that. Like it wasn't something that people were used to. It, it would have been. If like for us, we're used to like people. People watching a Hollywood like, noir yeah. would not have gone into this being like thinking that again. This is this is one of the darkest endings I think you could possibly sure. have in a film. And we're used to that now. Yeah. Nowadays, we're almost expecting we almost the hard it. cut. The hard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm almost like yearning for it. So it's when this happened in this film from the fucking late fifties. You're was like, like, that's it. Like, like what? Pe- you're, you're you can not do even that wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like were people like protesting in the streets it's craziness yeah so uh, maybe that is it maybe they were like just so shocked at Mm. at this because i can imagine so if they're not used to this because yeah but i assume it's a five for you too yes yes absolutely (laughs) five for me absolutely uh first first hitchcock film major success uh gotta say so yeah this was an absolute masterpiece and i i am gonna i'm gonna go down the rabbit hole for sure because i i have a feeling i'm just gonna love more and more from this guy Mm -hmm. i mean He's Hitchcock, so <laughs> I think that's going to be it for Vertigo. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll we'll jump into the uh, loose porno Brian version. De Palma porno remake of it, uh, <laughs> Body <Porno> Double. <laughs> Let's do it, Body Double. <sighs> modern master of suspense invites you to witness a seduction a mystery a murder body double you can't believe everything you see all right we are talking body double the 1984 erotic thriller yeah yeah let's go with that (laughs) yeah sure why not uh uh written and directed by brian de palma uh, a filmmaker we've talked about once before on his Phantom of the Paradise and a filmmaker who is going to appear on this show a lot. Loves I, the trash. The dude is... Top-notch trash. One of the <laughs> sleaziest dudes in cinema. Um, and he was able to somehow get Hollywood budgets to over and uh, over again. fund his pervy mindset. Yeah. So uh, very glad to have him. Uh, <laughs> and we're going <laughs> to... Jesus. Okay, <laughs> it's just, this film is wild. If you haven't seen it, that's that's really where all these these laughs are coming from here. Because like, yeah, it's basically the the once like we said in the intro, the soft core porn version of Vertigo. And is it rear even window. soft core? Is it yeah, even? at certain points, it gets there. <laughs> it gets there. Um, yeah. So this film stars a dude named Craig wasson who is a dude i honestly am not very familiar with yeah. i i he looked familiar but i don't know honestly i thought he just kind of looked like bill maher a little bit a little bit yeah that, that's that's maybe that's, that's, that's where, yeah. maybe <laughs> where the familiarity was coming from yeah uh, but he plays a dude named jake scully who after losing his uh job as a sort of um I guess he's a professional actor, but he's not making a whole lot of money doing it. He's not, like, yeah. living that high actor life yet. And um, his, his phobia is the direct reason why he can't 
exactly. do the job. Yeah, unlike Vertigo, uh, almost the exact opposite of Vertigo, it's not a fear of heights. It is a fear of <laughs> yeah. it being enclosed spaces, enclosed spaces very yeah. trapped. And um, he and he very similar to uh, James Stewart in in Vertigo has kind of this petrified thing that goes on where he almost he freezes can't up, move. Yeah. Like he he can't do anything. So yeah. Which which causes a lot of issues in the film. <laughs> yeah, and and what's interesting about this is that it's it's almost in terms of plot, it is a direct riff on on Vertigo. It's it's yeah. the the dude. Uh, yeah, it really is. The, the dude has a has a phobia that's that's hurting his life, but then he catches the glimpse of a of a girl that he might fall in love with the image of. Uh, Once and then, again, image is a hard like a big yeah. thing in this. And then it gets he only sees her physically. Yep, especially the first like week that he's watching her or whatever yep. it is. And then it all gets wrapped up in a a weirdo murder plot, yeah. uh, and in which he eventually overcomes his phobia. And, uh, so, you know, in a great sequence, which we will get to for sure. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I loved that little moment. But the thing that Brian De Palma kind of gets at here, and I think that this might clarify the film for you a a little bit, is that this is Brian De Palma, uh, at possibly his most angry, um, because this is having worked in Hollywood. Really? Like even Scarface? Yes, because I found Scarface more angry and aggressive than this. Well, one. Scarface at the time would have been his angriest film, okay. and I think even Martin Scorsese said the you know the Hollywood suits are going to hate this movie because it's about them. Oh uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, after leaving the film, because Martin Scorsese, who's obviously a friend of De Palma, knows De Palma's relationship with them in getting funding and in getting you know not it's being a little tougher for him than yeah. Than he, he's he's kind of like a just a weird sad case of a dude who really wants to make a popular Hollywood film, but his brain won't allow. But him his to brain do it. won't let him do it because he's so pervy, he's so nasty that the yeah. dude, the dude, and and it works. Love him for it. It works for Damn his it. films, honestly. But yeah. it's it's just it doesn't work. It, it does. It doesn't get the mindset. results that he wants. Yeah. Um, so and I get, well, that's odd too. It's just because, like, because I haven't seen any real documentaries on him or anything. Yeah. But you, you have painted him to me as kind of like this guy who he does. He think that he is making these films. Do you know what I mean? Like these studio friendly <laughs> films, because none of the films that I've seen from Brian De Palma even come close to like yeah the studio would pick that up and be totally fine with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is well, he not aware? Like you'd think that. He would know. Think, See, being friends with Spielberg, being <laughs> friends with these guys who do it, you know what I mean? See, I guess, I guess what he thinks is, is he thinks that Hitchcock was a big Hollywood filmmaker. Sure. And he was a dude who took established norms and twisted them into dark places. And, and sure. that's what he sees himself doing. But he doesn't <laughs> but he, realize okay. that, that, that he's doing he it like turned up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's just it, which is why he'll go back and he'll say his most popular film, his most successful films. I think the ones that he really loves are like Mission Impossible and The Untouchables and these sure. the, the, these films that Those kind of more that kind of got like to, the, yeah. the 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 acclaim from like a PG audience in a sense. Um, but then he looks back at at other films like Dress to Kill and and uh, maybe even things like Blowout, and he's a little less happy with himself because he's not that's crazy. That blows um, my mind just because it's like the the things that I find most diploma fans love are the trashiness that he yeah. brings to well, his that, Well, that's just it because it's so him. It's so, r- yeah. regardless of what he's doing, it's so personal. But Body Double yeah. came out of the fact that Scarface got like torn apart by... Critically? Uh, I don't know necessarily critically, so was a... but by by his studio people who oh. he would have wanted to make films with. Okay. So Body Double is his giant rage at, at <laughs> Hollywood. Um, you can feel it. 
Yeah. There's even that that he directly, scene with the with all the interviewers the, yeah. that are for the audition, and there's like 20 of them just staring at him soullessly, like they just yeah. like, what are you doing here? This we're trying to make art, and you're all in suits, yeah. looking at him like, okay, do it, like do what you, we want you to do. You know? Yeah, like, he directly compares Hollywood film and this to just like pornography, basically. Yeah, he's like, there's no we're difference. Just gonna look. Yeah, he yeah. was like, he was like, you guys, you guys think, Absolutely. you guys think that you turn your nose up at trash because you think you're better than it, but you're not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You just, uh, it's all in the in the underlying context of these films. Exactly. So, so what we get is a really weirdo pornographic version of Vertigo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Quite literally a pornographic version. But what, what's in, what's interesting is where because again the the plotting is something he can't do a lot new in, mm-hmm. but in it's where he chooses to focus that this movie gets really weird because yeah. um, what he does that Hitchcock didn't do in say Vertigo is that James Stewart is a Hollywood leading man. Yes, he absolutely. is he is a dude where you watch him and you're like you, he is very likable and he uses that and puts him in a story that is less favorable right. in that light. Brian and De Palma. There's a classiness to these characters yeah. too, which not, they do not have. No, Brian De Palma takes the Hollywood leading man and literally makes him like a just a total pathetic knob. Yeah, uh, like the dude's a, a. I don't even know what the word is. Like the dude is just a total. Like he's even sleazier than than yeah. uh, Jimmy Stewart he just, was. He does. He's just kind of a loser. Honestly, exactly. Like it's like, and I feel I almost feel bad. It's not 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 saying it now because I know where the, kind of the story goes yeah. and like where he yeah. leads his decisions. But in the first half hour, I still felt that way. Like I'm like, yeah. you're kind of a loser, dude. But I felt for him still because I think he was trying and maybe there was some good in him. Yeah, it it goes places. So that kind of ruin <laughs> he ruins himself. Well, because De Palma at every turn, I feel like under where Hitchcock leans into the romanticism to the point where you yes. get like a conflicting feeling of ooh, this is an icky romance. Yeah, De Palma just throws away the romance and almost makes fun of it. It's a, yeah. For, for, this is a movie ab- about totally surfaces, sex- right? Yeah. He's yeah. just sexually attracted to the, these people. And then he tricks himself into, he's literally, he's literally beautiful women. And you just assume that she must be like this, this goddess because yeah. you've tricked yourself because of your infatuation and obsession with her again. Yeah. Cause he's, he's it's not the idea of her. He's, he's not like the image he's obsessed with is her dancing naked. Yeah, and exactly. It, for doing, That's what he's in love doing with. Doing a rehearsing for her dance that she does on pornos. On po- ex- yeah. <laughs> right. He's literally in love with a porno. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> and he and he loves porno, too. Like, he, oh, yeah. he's constantly watching it throughout the film. Well, well, that's what happens, right? So I guess we should get into the thing. The, ma- the main thrust of this is he gets fired from his job because of his phobia. He gets yeah. claustrophobic. He freezes up. He loses he his slot. He freaks out on set. He freaks out on set. Yep. So he, he loses his, his slot. The director replaces him. He goes mm-hmm. home to his girlfriend where, oh, my God, it's so goddamn pathetic where he goes home mm. and there, there's like a little, there's a little like heart with them on on it like it's it's totally like the magnet again it feels like a dude who's in a relationship he doesn't realize that that girl is not fully checked in like yeah. even even just looking at the place that they lived together i was like dude get out of that what are you doing yeah but he doesn't seem to get that until he literally walks in on her uh having sex with someone else yeah and what's amazing too is i think he's and maybe it's just so that the audience kind of has a hint of what's about to happen but the audio clearly shows that he's she's per- laughing and 
fooling around with somebody. You're not you don't you're not in a room by yourself. Dude, going, he probably he probably he probably thought it was like a girlfriend or something, and he was like, ooh, right. But I just I don't know because he just seems so naive and oblivious to it. And then even when he opens the door and they make direct eye contact, she gives a look at first of shock and surprise yeah, yeah. and a little bit of guilt. But then. I, I thought I saw like almost a look of just like you knew that this what this was yeah like what like like, <laughs> like sure you're shocked right now and sure this is shitty what I'm doing but you knew where we were like yeah. that's kind of what I got from a vibe doesn't make her any less of no. a good person or, or, a, or a better person or whatever but then he just kind of he just leaves he's yeah. he has he has no passion at all even for this woman who he apparently is living with and loves he just kind of goes. Oh. Okay, and then just leaves and yeah. goes goes and grabs some Jack and then, and, Daniels. Yeah, and, and then he has a performative sadness out at the bar where he's like just freaking out, and the dude's like, yeah, dude, he's even dude, an asshole to the bar. Yeah, he's like, dude, shit. stop being a dick. You're like, like dude, like, why, like if you're gonna yell at anybody, go yell at your girlfriend <laughs> and the guy that's having sex with her. You go to the bar and you start treating other people like shit. Meanwhile, you just leave. Like, yeah, oh, the dude okay. is just so naive and so Ugh. pathetic. Uh, and it only gets seedier from there, right? Because yeah, because then we get that's when he gets his opportunity for the house and all that. Yeah, the, he goes to an acting class, and, and and I love in the background of the acting class where it's like feel, <laughs> personalize, act, cry, yeah. man, cry. Yeah, out. yeah he, he's trying to like totally uh, just destroy him in front of the acting class. Yeah, trying um, to just break him down into a, just a mess of a person <laughs> so that he can quote unquote act. Yeah, so then uh, then another actor in the class kind of feels for him and is like, dude, I see that you're down. I see that you're crushed. Like, I, I need someone to watch my really, really amazing condo yeah. for, like, a weekend that or a week or like whatever. just looks like a satellite dish, like a giant satellite dish. Yeah, it's got a giant, like, s- rotating bed or whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's like, just a huge, it's like the Sky Dome over, over, like, all of Los Angeles. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's, then we get it's, a... It's badass. We get a direct <laughs> rear window riff where mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. He, he looks through the uh the telescope over at um the dude's neighbor who's there and she's doing a little dance routine the guy tells her she, like clockwork she does this every night yeah um so he, he, he looks over and he's he sees her doing a very naked porno dance yeah. uh which is kind of i guess when he says it's like clockwork clockwork it's kind of the hint of like why would she be doing this every night at 7 p.m exactly. you know what i mean so that's that's a great little Thing that he throws in, yeah, there, cause, cause, because 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 he because the, he knows the he'll watch if he yeah, tells him that, exactly, right? And, exactly. And and I I couldn't believe so watching good. this because so I, I was watching this for the first time too, and I I kind of knew what to expect out of it because I've seen a lot of De Palma and I've obviously had just watched Vertigo again too, so I sure. kind of knew what was coming, and I had just rewatched Rear Window too, so I uh, I didn't expect how long he would hold that shot of him watching her. Yeah, because it's because it, eventually it, 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 he, he, he almost implicated in. me. I was like, yes. dude, cut away. Like, I, I don't want to watch this point. anymore. I think that's the point. It's, 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 He's still it's watching at the point where like, you're like, dog, yeah, look like, away, this man. Wrong. This yeah. is wrong. Yeah. But what's what's also amazing is that the, the synth and the music that he uses is actually quite hypnotizing, I found. Yeah. So I found it's myself romantic. like <laughs> wanting to watch, but also feeling like I should not be watching, yeah. which I think is the exact same feeling that he would technically have. Yeah. So it's like he's he's the music kind of tricks you into thinking like 
uh, okay, well, it's it's kind of pretty. Like yeah. it's it's wrong because it, what I'm watching is someone being spied on right now. Again, but he, it hypnotizes you into it. Similar to Jimmy Stewart's character, like again, he he's looking to project a fantasy of something. Yeah, he's yeah. looking to find some sort of romance. He's, he's clearly looking, lonely and has real no real connections with people. Yeah, so he's he's trying really hard to like project, and that music feels like his subconscious, like yes. being like this is something, right? Yeah, this uh, is this is kind of like love. You but, but then the actual content yeah. of the image just makes you go, dog, this feels really icky and personal. Like, Especially after stop you've been watching. doing it for so long. Like, it's not like one of those, yeah, like, it's like a oh, full like, minute and a half shot. Like, like, I'm like, dog. Yeah, he's going for it. And not only that, but throughout the film, he just keeps going back, like, yeah. over and over again to the point where, I mean, it's obviously just, you're a peeping Tom, dude. There's there's nothing loving about this oh, at yeah. all. Yeah, because at, at that point, he, he actually... He, he, I think he drives out. He's going to the set or something like that, and he mm-hmm. pulls out and he sees her pulling out. Or no, he does. He watches her again the second night, yeah. And he sees a creepy dude, really, really creepy dude, watching yeah. her from the satellite from the dish. satellite dish, which and is wh- cool too. Because at first the sparks kind of give off this yeah. like light show feel to what yeah. he's already watching, and then it just turns into like this. Who is this guy? Because he's got clearly designed to be a monster, yeah. and clearly designed yep. to be like a caricature kind of, me of, of like, like an Michael Aboriginal, Myers, but with a more real face looking, yeah. like with his mask or well, mask. <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of ruined the ending there, but I mean, we're a spoiler show, but <laughs> but yeah, because he's he's very clearly designed to be a boogeyman. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. Uh, and De Palma uses him later in suspense sequences like a boogeyman, like a monster. He's freaky, man. The yeah. way that he, the way that they have him in the mall, like when, when oh, he's yeah. stalking, and he's just running through corridors, and he's yeah. got the that fedora in the face, and he's kind of like really tall and a little lanky. So he's got this yeah, creature-like that, that mall to him. sequence is one of De Palma's honestly oh, finest suspense sequences. It's so good. It feels like if Hitchcock were to actually yes. make a movie in the eighties, yep. that. Uh, it felt that's, very that's what it would look like for sure um, because the way that he just like puts you kind of like uh, like he, he gets you into the stalking mode identifying with the protagonist yeah. but at the same time you're watching it for so long that you're like dude at this point you are literally just stalking her I know you yeah. think that you're you have this vague illusion of protecting her and it, it replicates that sequence where uh, Jimmy Stewart follows her for the first time in the car and follows her to mm-hmm. the bridge and all of this but it's even ickier because obviously it's De Palma yeah and uh, he's just doing it and he's spying he's on her not changing. He's a private investigator. No. He's just a, like, at least James Stewart was doing a job at first, right? Yeah. Like, he was hired to do something. It's still yeah. weird, but it, it, it was, there was a reason for it. He no. is literally just a pervert. He, yeah, at the one point where he's in the mall and the clerk is like, uh, this dude is, is literally just, like, watching this girl watching change. Watching this girl change her panties right now. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, and then, security. Well, and then think about the touch that De Palma puts in where if he thought there was even a remote sense of heroism was the true reason that he was doing this, why do you take the panties out of the garbage, man? Yep. And like, keep it in your pocket. Like, seriously? For the detective to find. He didn't even... Like, I'm not saying steal panties. Don't do that. But if you're going to do it, maybe store it somewhere. Don't, like, keep it in your fucking front pocket. Exactly. But, like, but, I, but I think that's so doing? revealing of, of this character's motivations, which is, so, which is honestly... not thinking either. No, and it, 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 it's different. Moving. It's different than Jimmy Stewart, who is genuinely romantically in love. He's romantically in love with a fake fabricated thing of course which is in its own way sort of weird and pervy Mm -hmm. but this dude is just weird and pervy and he's trying to find like any sort of uh you know excuse for it not to be but that's all it is yeah 
Um, and it's super weird. And yeah, the mall sequences is, is amazing. The, the suspense that he builds in that, and especially the bit in the elevator where he thinks that the the dude is creeping on them, and then the elevator yeah. doors keep opening up, and then. Um, and he gives them the smile, like it's the first yeah. time the the monster, so to speak, uh, sees them like directly, and it sees him especially, I guess, because obviously he's seen the girl, he's after the girl, um, and he has this moment of like pure fear because it's like at first he was kind of just a guy that's observing this, yeah, and now I, f- I think once he made eye contact with the fedora monster or whatever yeah. you want to call him, uh, it was a moment for him that was kind of like. I might be coming a part of this now. Whatever's mm. going on here, I feel a part of it because after that, he goes to the beach and he gets so close to her. He goes like on the balcony, right above, right her, above yeah. her. I'm like, dude, you're not doing a good job at stalking right yeah, now. Yeah, at this point, you followed her for so long. It's like so crazy, man. Yeah. Like you're an insane person. It's like a 15 minute sequence of him just following her throughout. And yeah. it's even after the. De Palma mall really and- underlines like the darkness to this, to this. bit. Because again, uh, where, where Hitchcock implies it, De Palma's like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> and what's even crazier is that when. He when the when the guy steals the purse so that he can eventually get the key to her house and yeah. go from there. Uh, when he runs after the the monster and just like he you know he's in the tunnel and then he has the moment where he can't move anymore and the the monster even has this like weird moment where he's kind of like <laughs> and, like yeah. like does this weird scream and kind of thing. Yeah. But then he makes it, it, out it, it, with it's the so girl. obviously performative. Yes. The, the, the thing that the monster's doing, which is really important for later. Yeah. And definitely. it's also important, too, that for, for whatever reason, because at first, because uh, my girlfriend actually pointed out while we were watching it, she was like, this dude is like... Mm-hmm clearly made to look aboriginal and i was like mm, yeah i was like is they even he... call him the indian uh, well yeah a couple times in th- the movie, that was I it think. is i i was like yeah he kind of is and i but then the movie actually addresses it so it was real and my yeah. my uh, a buddy of mine on on uh letterboxd great uh writer neil Bahadur out of toronto mm. he had a note about this where he's like De palma talks a lot about he's very critical of of hollywood films just in general um, and one of the things he's critical of was the treatment of um, Aboriginal characters in, in the old westerns and stuff like okay. that. So that's what this is supposed to be. It that he's he's the performative they performed as savages. He was the he was the thing. performative boogeyman. So that's what he's made him in his oh, film. Oh, Okay, that's um, cool. Uh, so that's what he's kind of done here. I find it a little odd choice for this film, though. Like, yeah, well, I, I th- it's not a western in any capacity. No, but I I think he's just trying to get at the idea that like. Hollywood is like this big performative okay. porno nasty grossness sure, that they th- th- that they not, don't acknowledge, and it's yeah. not like we find out later that it's not an Aboriginal guy. It's a it's a it's a know, dude acting dude. as one, right. which is what would have replicated a lot of what those actors right. would have been doing. At the uh, time. Before we move on from that tunnel scene, though, what did you think about the decision when when he kisses? Like they start amazing, making out. Amazing. Do you think? Okay, because I just I had a question it's here. It's sweepingly I it romantic, like, yeah, but I read it, in his head yes. only. Yes, and also because it gets really sexual fast as well. Like he starts like grabbing her dress yeah. and stuff. Because again, it's it's it is it's literally the vertigo kiss, right? That, that you were yes. talking about. If there's the spiral. It's there's everything. spinning. It's sweeping. It's romantic. And again, there's that ickiness that happens yep. uh, in the subtext of vertigo. But in the in in this one, he just starts fucking her on the beach, and you're like, dog, yeah. dog. Like what? Like that's do not you, romantic anymore. Right. Exactly. And do you? Th- and you do don't you even know. You that, haven't spoken a word to her. She responds to it. So do you think that what it's saying about her character? Because I actually found that kind of just 
abrupt and I was like, I don't know about that when it comes to the character's decision. He would definitely be all for it. But I just didn't think that she would respond so fast to such an aggressive uh, <laughs> way of going about romantic, uh, you know, actions. Like, it's just like, I don't understand how she went from, this is a guy that's been following me who warned me about this guy. And in a minute, she's essentially having sex with him in public on the beach was it do you think it's well, because see, she's like a lonely character and she well, that see, was like I, the I, only passion I, she I, had I read it as a little bit more subjective than that I okay. guess I, I read it as entirely like not necessarily a fantasy like I think that she was kissing him but I, sure. I, I don't think that it was quite going as far as the image had as you believe was as I, I think sure. I think that he but even the making out I still feel is, is a little <laughs> odd it, she must have something where she doesn't feel loved I, that's what I thought and so she oh, probably some but uh, but also she he just like saved her thing and i i feel sure. I, I feel like she's leaning into seems, the it I, seemed a little much uh <laughs> but i i understand that the subtext there that yeah. that maybe it's in his head when it goes that far but they did make out and kiss yeah so that was still a little bit but see, I, I, I feel like i think she just thought that she like kind of like like owed him because she he okay. was right he did technically protect her even if his intentions weren't really to so do that kind of he like did that, do that because that because again, classic feel of like the hero and then the damsel in distress kind of thing yeah so but I, instead I, he I, turns it into the most pervy thing ever yeah I, I feel okay. I feel like I she feel she that. was okay. just acknowledging her role as she did get protected in that particular instance sure but she doesn't know the extent to how much how infatuated that he, he is. is with her sure okay. Um, I could see. Yeah, it it didn't. It didn't register that weird when I was watching it, but it's good that you brought it up. Yeah, Uh, especially because it's such an important moment. Because I guess we'll kind of jump ahead to um, she gets hardcore murdered. Yep. Um, Hardcore. Hardcore. That shot is amazing. When when he is on talk about a driller killer. Yeah. First of all, (laughs) through the the floor, and then you see the blood him underneath. It's like dropping on his face and like crazy. That death was nuts. Yeah, and it's it's the most cartoonishly huge drill that he could possibly have. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's like three and, feet long. And, the, and the, the shot of it is the drill coming out of his crotch as he like, because it's, it's behind his butt and he's doing like a big like oh, thing. Right. And the drill comes straight down from his crotch in and then it cuts to the shot of it coming through the yeah. the, the roof on his shot where it's like... And then all the blood, yeah. And it's, it is just so... <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, it's, and and he's just a frightening like character, the uh, the monster guy. Yeah. So because he's just he looks like a pure powerhouse throughout yeah. the film. He's very tall. He's very big. Yeah. Um, yeah. So him just running around with that drill was like an image. I gotta say. Yeah. So he so he, he kills the girl and the dude gets there and he sees that the cops question him. They're like, "Dog, why were you even here?" Mm-hmm. And he and then they, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they start being Tom. like, "Dude, you're just a peeping Tom." And they and he's like, find "No, his, find no. the panties." Yeah. yeah. He, he starts trying to make up excuses for why he's not. Yeah. But either way, he's he he's he's heartbroken because he couldn't he couldn't have sex with the girl. Not necessarily because she's dead because he didn't get to have sex with her. Right. <laughs> he's just so yeah. heartbroken. So he goes home and of course the thing that he does is he starts just watching porn on TV. Yeah. Which is what you do when of you're course. sad. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I do when I'm sad. Yeah. He's, sit- <laughs> he's sitting in the big rotating bed in his buddy's condo watching porn uh, and then all of a sudden he sees the dance moves. He's like, oh. He's like, this is this is the dance moves that I just saw the girl that I wanted to have sex with doing. Yeah. Uh, so he goes and he, he calls up the, the, the porno company and he wants to get an audition or he wants to like get in there. Which is crazy that he doesn't just like 
you know, try to go to like a meet and greet or something. He's like, well, how do I really get in this? Well, I'll audition audition for porn. (laughs) I'll just, I'll join porn. (laughs) Yep. Uh, And this leads to one of the craziest sequences in the movie where he goes to the porn producer uh, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. man, he's just like, show us what you got. Like go, go ham or whatever. And he goes in and it's the big relax sequence. The, the, the relax song, which is an all timer song for me because it's the song used uh, in Zoolander to mm. hypnotize him to oh, kill the it? Prime Minister of Malaysia or <laughs> whatever. Awesome. He's like, I didn't even realize. That's awesome. Yeah, it's such a good song. And De Palma films it like an MTV music, music video. video. Yeah, um, that's the, exactly the vibe I got. Yeah, because again, he's he's indicting just like this entire... He's like, if you think I'm nasty and trash, like look what your pop culture is right now. Like, yeah, this serious? is exactly what it is. Yeah, like, exactly. Minus the... Minus the hardcore porn, I mean, like it's pretty much there. Yeah, and even then they're all they're all just wearing bikinis and they're all doing this, right? (laughs) So it's like you know, it's it's not that much worse. Uh, And but what's amazing is uh, he's looking at pure fabrication. He's looking at the most fabricated thing you could possibly look at—a porn set where everyone in love with it. fucking loves it he's he's so swept up in it yeah and he finds the girl who's doing the dance moves and he starts having sex with her yeah and he kisses her and the sweeping motion happens again he he literally was just in love with the idea of a porn star that was it (laughs) exactly it's just it's purely physical for him and and i I don't think there's a bigger and that's the difference with the vertigo too it's like where it's like we were talking about there was still some romanticism in this there was real feeling by both parties it was just that away in this film and just make it purely about the superficial just skin like just just sexual desire and that's it exactly and and he's again the fact that he has such a sweeping romantic moment with just a porn star that he's literally said a word to which i believe i believe what he says is i like to watch yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so you're like dog you can't get like more glaring than that one of my favorite moments too is when they finish the scene and the director or like one of the stage guys was like hey what happened to the cum shot yeah (laughs) because yeah (laughs) because they actually like kind of quote-unquote make love instead of actually like having porn sex yeah so it was like i just thought that that was a little funny but also telling it's it's really funny because yeah yeah, that's what interrupts his sweeping romanticism yeah because finally he's he he thinks genuinely that just having sex with a porn star that he met on the set who does sexy dance moves that he likes is kind of love is love yeah. that, that's what he thinks and yeah. it's and then it's interrupted by yeah like an ad in the background being like, like where's the cum shot yeah dog i thought we were gonna get a cum shot, the shot man? <laughs> yeah. paid money for this yeah it's it's hilarious yeah it's such a good part either way all of this sort of coalesces in in the the same vertigo plot where basically this porn star was hired to be the dancer that he was looking at in the window yeah so that the actor buddy that he was living with who is the one putting on the mask and being the monster and is uh, the girl's boyfriend or whatever, the porn actress's boyfriend, right. so that he could kill her. Um, yeah. So it's literally the plot of Vertigo. Yeah. Um, In the sleaziest way. Yeah, but it's just, it's it's twisted everything so it's even darker and weirder and... and uh, just gross. I, I was gonna say sadder, but it's not. It's not sad because it's 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 more pathetic. It's pitiful. Yeah, yeah. The it's tone pitiful. is. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Pathetic is more because it. I don't feel like I, I almost feel a sadness for James Stewart yeah. in Vertigo in some small way. Whereas with this guy, I'm just kind of like 
oh, you're just yeah, totally it, it, a scumbag that doesn't understand that yeah, you're a scumbag. Exactly. It's not it, it's not tragic no, uh, it's like not. like Vertigo. It's it's more of a sense of you can this dude is just a loser. Yeah. And, and it's even kind of sad because at the end it seems like he overcomes the fear and Holly who is, he goes back is, into making porn, basically. Yeah, yeah, and doesn't and Holly stays in the grave, which yep. I think well that was symbolism. I'm assuming for she's still kind of living in the fear, right? A little bit, yeah. But then she comes out and watches him on set, right? Oh, does she? I yeah. thought that's where the movie ended. No, no, no. Wait, because, did you did you watch the whole credits? Yeah. And oh, okay. Then, and then oh, and then they have the shower scene with the with the vampire. yeah, but she's she she's watching like Holly is there watching oh, is him. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. So I I, I think it suggests yep. that they sort of spark some kind of relationship. But again, okay. it feels like he's just brought that experience forgot, yeah. he had on the porn set into his movie making. Yeah. And which which you know eventually happened. But again, we'll get to the bit where this is this is the bit where he, he finds out kind of what happens. He's like Holly, we got to do something. Uh, and then he, the uh, Sam, the buddy who he's whose apartment he's staying Is in, and, and, and who killed the girlfriend. Yeah, he uh, he takes Holly to the to put her in a in a grave, basically. Yeah. So uh, again, thinking he's the hero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what's his name? Save the day. Yeah, I already forget his name. Uh, Jake Scully goes over to the to the grave and the dude like throws him in and then rips the mask off he's like i was sam brah the whole time yeah, yeah. and he's obviously having his claustrophobic uh experience inside the grave um and then <laughs> he has like this weird fantasy flashback where, where he, he like, overcomes his fear where he does the scene correctly and then it's he's like i'm going like... back you're gonna fire me <laughs> like he again he feels so empowered by this moment but then he comes back out and it's again he does win but it it's it's such like a like a an undercut win where he's yeah. just like yeah I did it but uh, I'm th- still the same person yeah like, and, 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 and and it's the dog that really does it right yeah yeah <laughs> and if anything it's now validated all the thoughts that he's had throughout the film like I mean I don't feel like his character yeah. has really changed he's personally gotten stronger just because yeah. he's over his fear but when it comes to like growing as a person and how you should view love how you should view relationships he hasn't changed he hasn't changed at all he's still he's still with holly who i imagine he's with just because she's the porn star exactly and, if, if, if anything yeah. it's empowered all of his worst tendencies it's, right. just, it's made him think that he was right exactly. when we've watched the whole movie being like dude what you're fucked <laughs> yeah. yeah you're an idiot like yeah. you serious uh, which is one of the greatest, because uh, again, I think a lot of people at the time criticized this for being De Palma leaning into all of his worst tendencies. Yeah, which is true intentionally. But it's intentional, and it, I mean, I I don't for by any means think that he's approving these things in, no. in any way. He's well, definitely telling he's doing it in his De Palma funny yeah. way. But he's, he's got, he, obviously he, saying that this character is shit. Like he's not a good dude. Yeah. So. No, and if if anything he's saying that and the fact that he has like a conventional I beat it, I won ending, yeah. if anything is just another indictment of Hollywood. He's yeah. being like, this is the ending that you would expect me to have for a movie like this, mm-hmm. where my hero does everything. And look, you validated all of my hero's worst tendencies. Congrats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and he has one of De Palma's finest endings of all time, where the dude is just making, he's back on set, he's making the movie, he's got over his fear, but he's still the same dude, he's just over his fear. Yeah. Um, and De Palma has the image, which is probably one of the most iconic of his career, where it's just Scully's arm, a man's arm, grabbing a breast yeah. while blood 
falls down it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is just Brian De Palma. That's the thesis statement of Brian De Palma <laughs> yeah, as, exactly. as a person, as a madman, as a filmmaker. So bloody uh, boobies. Yeah, I guess we've gotten gone kind of long on this one. I didn't expect to have so much to say about Body Double. Uh, yeah, that's good. But I guess we'll get into the reductive rating around on this. This might surprise you a little bit. This is a five for me. Mm. Uh, it's possible that I'm just so in love with Brian De Palma that even a minor Brian De Palma feels to me just amazing. And again, I think sure. I think a lot of people would consider this one of his weakest outings. But for me, it is top tier. This is up there with Blowout uh, in Carlito's Way and Phantom of the Paradise as... Uh, you know, like just uh, one of my favorites. I feel like this is just De Palma's final statement on all of his fascination with Hitchcock and mm. bringing it into the the modern Hollywood that he was working in, <laughs> and the fact that it's it's so angry and so vindictive, uh, and the fact that it's 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 so it's taken such a Hollywood idea and twisted it to the point where it's literally just gross pornography uh really really works for this film um anyway yeah i really love the shit out of it nice uh i'm gonna give it right now i'm gonna give it a four out of Mm -hmm. five it's so strong like it's it was so close to that five for me i guess there were just some minor things that i either didn't really read well enough into yet for me to like for Mm. it to really sink in yeah and then there was a couple character moments that i didn't know if you know, they quite fit like, like mm. the like one the I mentioned one. before, yeah. although with you saying kind of that, like the subtext under it and, and maybe the fact that, you know, she was kind of just responding to a, a it, moment that she was being, it definitely through. does feel like he has to, he has to do it because that's the vertigo moment, right? Like he For has sure. to do it. For and, sure. and maybe they could have, cause again, unlike with, uh, Vertigo. I just would have liked one extra scene where, like, they ha- have a bit of a conversation. <laughs> well, that's just it. Unlike with Vertigo, where James Stewart and Kim Novak actually had a bit of a um, a relationship where they talked back and forth before that scene. Yeah. This is happening after a 20-minute stalking sequence. So which, you just feel weird. Which, yeah. which, to be fair, is what I think De Palma is doing. Yeah, it's making but, you feel that But way. it also, yeah. it does register as kind of odd, for yeah, sure. Yeah, just for her character yeah. choice. Because obviously he's all about it. I'm not surprised at all yeah. there. Because because we haven't had enough of her to know exactly what her decision-making process yeah. is. And I yeah. just assumed, the only thing that I could assume was that she was just kind of like, she didn't have a lot of love in her life. Honestly, I, I, I kind of feel like it's just him she's being, being hit and stuff you know like, well that's just it I, I kind of feel like this is De Palma being like because as an actress she's obligated to do this I feel like oh. that's almost kind of what he's getting at oh, okay so as maybe a, that it's very meta in that way yeah. like, that's 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 pretty <laughs> crazy I like the I like the idea though because because it does feel weird you're right and I I, I think that it's possible that De, that De Palma because it comes after such a weird sequence where you would feel like she wouldn't do it that yeah. she does do it is because a Hollywood film would make her do it and that kind of makes you feel that sleaziness that the film is trying to bring anyway so yeah it does yeah work. which is the same thing we were talking about with like the extended watching sequence where right. you're like okay after thirty after seconds while, we like, get it God damn I yeah. feel gross right now yeah uh, this yeah. is a really gross movie and it really implicates you as a viewer of it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm going to give it a four out of five for now, but I could honestly see this movie becoming Moving a five up. with a couple, maybe even the next rewatch because it was so close to it. But yeah. It, D- De Palma, well, and again, man, we got to do De more Palma De Palma too. So, so good. Yeah, yeah. He's, I don't think I've less than a four for one of his movies so far that I've seen. So yeah, yeah. he's, he's one of my favorites for sure. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's Sleazoids, guys. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, uh, patron-exclusive Sleazy Journey. That's right. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode. If you guys um, haven't rated us on iTunes yet, go on iTunes. Go give us a review. We'll read it out on the show. 
Um, again, thanks for being uh, patrons. We really appreciate having you guys here, and we got lots of great content coming up for you. Uh, next week, free listeners and you guys, patrons, are going to get a very special one? episode. Yeah. We're, we're not going to say who the guest is just yet, but it's a guest we're very, very excited about. Uh, and we're with them, we're going to be talking uh, Stuart Gordon, uh, the uh, exploitation filmmaker, the uh, body horror, uh, mad scientist yeah. uh, exploitation filmmaker. And we're going to be talking about um, his films Reanimator and From Beyond, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, very And uh, any of you who are patrons here and are huge uh, fans of the kind of films we're talking about, which I assume you are, you're going to really appreciate who we brought on to talk about that. Um, but then in... Uh, uh, in two weeks' time, we're going to be back with a patron-exclusive episode just for you guys, and you guys will definitely want to hear this one. We're going to be talking siege films, which I don't Ooh. even think I've told you this one. Told you this is one that about. like like medieval kind of? Like- no, it it it's the the films where you're with characters who are kind of trapped in a, an enclosed space, and things try to break in and fuck them up. Oh, okay. Um, and we're talking two of all-timer siege films. Uh, we're going to talk about Rio Bravo, which okay. is a western by uh oh shit i think it's howard hawks but i hope i'm not wrong when i say that <laughs> people western people will fucking kill me <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's got john wayne it's got a lot of great actors in it um and then we got the loose remake by legendary uh horror filmmaker john carpenter Ooh. who basically loosely remade the film into assault on precinct 13 uh, oh which is an excellent film so we're, we're doing assault on precinct 13 yeah we're gonna oh, do sweet. rio bravo and assault on precinct that's 13. a movie that i've had on my list forever i've listened to the soundtrack a bunch of times yeah but i've never excellent. watched the movie yeah I'm, so I'm bo- both both of those are all-timer <laughs> siege films and that's what we're gonna be talking about for you guys patrons excellent. in uh in two weeks time so stick around and you'll get that uh but i guess that's it keep it sleazy everybody keep it sleazy